Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. I'm really pumped tonight, and it's kind of that dragging pumped. You know what I mean? I'm just so full and excited. I've been studying. I've been working, and and, and uh, I've got a lot to say. I just don't know how much I can get out of my mouth tonight. But this is one of my favorite Bible stories, the story of Moses, the character of Moses, what I want to talk about, because this is what I remember most from the felt board. I don't know if you remember the, the River Nile. Uh, we had a little, uh, little Nile River that we'd put up on the felt board. And then you had a little basket. And you'd put, the, for those of you that don't know anything about that, Google it. It's pretty cool. They had, used to have things that you didn't have video to watch. You did it yourself. And so, anyway, um, Moses, a Hebrew prophet, teacher, leader, And here's what he's best known for, delivering God's people from Egyptian slavery. And I love this because what he's best known for is what we can look back in the Old Testament and see now in the New Testament that that's what Jesus is best known for, delivering all of us from slavery to sin. And so as we read this, you've got to continue to be able to put the Old Testament types into the New Testament fulfillment as we see all that took place. So some facts from his life. And I, I love this study. Now, i got to be honest. When I was a teenager, history, I wanted to sleep through it. I didn't care anything about it. I was always wanting to know what we're getting ready to do, not what happened. That's just all I cared about. I, I mean, if that already happened, it's old news. Who cares? But here's the thing. I, as I study the Bible more, I realize that history is very significant. And if you don't know about it, then you don't understand what God's plan is for our future. Because he speaks as a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's a lot you can know about tomorrow based on what you learned from yesterday. Now, some facts from his life. 2,433 years after Adam, Moses was born. He's a member of the 26th generation. Now, Lifespans before Moses, and we've talked a lot about this, were long. The 25 generations that preceded Moses, people lived an average of 500 years. So it's hard when you're sitting here thinking about this, 2,500 years, and and generations at that time were spaced 100 years apart. So you knew your great, 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 greats. Uh, now, that's kind of weird for us because nobody knows that. If we get a four-generation family, you take a picture, and you better take it quick. <laughs> Moses was just a few generations from Abraham. I, 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 I love this. The 26 generations of Moses covered 2,500 years of history, and it really gave him an understanding because the generational longevity that we wouldn't have quite that privilege today. I mean, the same 25 generations before him, we would need 80 generations in today's understanding. Now, 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you hear these all the time. I've got a slide that'll help you just see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then you go to Levi, Kohath, Amram, and Moses. Now, you gotta, you just kind of got to look at this, and, and, and I, I question whether to put all this up, but you know, as much as I've studied it, sometimes a little slide helps me to kind of see things and helps me to understand some of the Old Testament prophets as we've been studying them. I'm hoping that we give better examples than the Feltbort gave. I mean, I, the felt board was great, but I, I just think it's really cool as we're talking about this that we don't assume everybody knows this. So if you're looking at this and go, well, I know all this. Well, bless your heart. I'm happy for you. Not all of us do. So as we study this, I think it's important to understand this. See, there would need to be six handoffs, when we understand these generations of a 100-year generation, six handoffs from Adam to Moses. Now, what I mean by that is there was only six different handoffs that had to be given for him to pass down all the information from Adam till now. And as we look at Moses, he is accredited Mosaic Law, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, obviously, as we read that, everybody understands that Moses is the one that is titled for the first five books, the Torah, the Mosaic Law, whatever you want to call it, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You, you, as, you, as you think of those first five books, that's a 2,500-year history and time frame that it was all put in. So just, just some information. I, I Tonight, I really want to get through his life, and it's impossible to tell you every detail. Because even though Moses didn't live this long span, 120 years is hard to cover in 20 minutes. But he did a lot, and it was real easy to cover Isaac's life in one sermon. And if you remember, there just wasn't a lot to talk about. With I, but Moses, there's a ton to talk about. And so I, I, I want to get through some of his life as we're talking about it because he was born at a terrible time for his people. And he was an Israelite. The children of Israel lived in Egypt as slaves at the time he was born. And they have been living under Egypt rule for hundreds of years. Now, if we go back, we can remember when we were talking about uh, Joseph, his ancestor had been a governor of Egypt under a previous Pharaoh. Moses was born to Jochebed and Amram, both from the tribe of Levi, he was the youngest of three children. He had a sister and a brother. The sister, if you're into Bible trivia, is Miriam. And the brother was Aaron. Moses was a special baby. Now, let, let me explain this because this is very, very important. And The Pharaoh was afraid of the Israelite slaves because there were so many of them. I mean, the numbers were vast, and, and he ordered that all the baby boys be killed. And, and so they were under this decree of all the baby boys being killed when Moses was born. And so mom, mama, mama Moses, Moses' mom, Mary, I mean, not Miriam, um, Jochebed, she was, she was really 
really not wanting, as any mother wouldn't, her baby to get killed. And so Moses' mom protected him and hid him for three months. Now you have to understand that they were in a slave position, which meant at any time anyone could walk through the door and see a Hebrew male child and kill them. Now, I don't know how she hit him, but we just went through a culture conference. And we, we tell boys not to dress like girls, but in my mind, I'm thinking this might have been the start of all of this. The mom's dressing them up. As, I don't know. But something happened to where they were making sure that they could hide. And you know this happened all the time. Mom's hiding boys, not wanting to turn them in to get killed. And I can understand that. They were trying to depopulate. They were trying to take the population and they were trying. Let me just tell you, this is nothing new when you start hearing about that in different cultures. And, and, and you can only have this many children. We, we hear about that, but you've got to know that's from the beginning of time this has been an issue. Now, when she couldn't hide him anymore, she made a little boat out of a basket, and she placed it in the river with him in it, in the reeds on the banks of the Nile River. Now, he didn't stay there very long before he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, she rescues this child, and she couldn't run down and get any powdered formula. So she needed someone to nurse this child. And the baby's three months old, and so she had to find someone to nurse Moses. And what's really cool is she happened to find the mama of Moses. To You don't think God had a plan for Moses' life. I mean, right from the beginning, you know Jochebed had to be going, yeah, I'll be happy to. I mean, I don't know the whole story, but you've got to know enough of the story to just be able to put some practicality to it, and you're like, yes, my son is going to live. My son's going to live. And so after Moses is then put under Jochebed's feeding and under Pharaoh's daughter's care, he spends a few more months, years, we're not sure, but he was weaned, and Pharaoh's daughter raised him in the palace surrounded by the luxuries of Egypt. Now, growing up, growing up, I'm sure that Moses, after he learned that he wasn't like everybody else, and I don't know exactly how all of that took place, but some of that took place because we read that he knew that he wasn't an Egyptian. And I, I just, I, I think this through and I think he had to have some knowledge that was imparted to him about his life before the luxury. And here's why I think that he had to ask some questions. Names meant something back then. I'm not saying they don't now. But there was something very important about a name in that day and age. And Moses, the name Moses was given to him by Pharaoh's daughter. And it means I drew him out of the water. Just something kind of cool. 
I'll bet later she wanted to hide the fact that she found him in the water. She probably said, uh, yeah, I named you that because here's your story. And gave him the story of his life. I, I don't know. I, I just read these things and I think, how many of us have stories that our mama tells us that we didn't really know? We, we hear stories about us as a child. Now, don't ask my mom. She tells all the wrong ones. But there, let me just tell you all the stories about this guy. No, the, the, the stories that I'm talking about are the stories that they wouldn't know that you're like, you know what, this was really cool. This was a cool part of your life, and here was the hand of God on your life from an early age. And mamas have a way of knowing all of that, even if they're not a biological mom. And Pharaoh's daughter, I'm sure, had some stories for him. You know, and thanks to this unique biblical situation that he was in, the son of an Israelite slave was brought up as a prince of Egypt. You have to know that about Moses' life because it's very important when you see what God uses him for later. But despite his status and his luxurious lifestyle, Moses remembered the roots, sympathized with his fellow Israelites who were enslaved. You know, after growing up, he decided to go visit the Hebrews, his people, and he saw how hard they were forced to work as slaves. Now, he had a different perspective You've got to see this. Moses had a different perspective than a Hebrew child would have had. Being raised as a slave, you don't ever see the luxurious lifestyle. But he saw Egypt and he saw the curse and he realized that Egypt with all of its goodness from world standards still was not his desire. And, I, and we'll get to that a little later. I want to continue with this story. He grew up in a palace, but he knew as a Hebrew. And Moses had visited the Hebrews, and I imagine he went several times to find out what was going on. And he was in one of those times of visiting, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. The Bible says, uh, tells the story in Hebrews or Exodus chapter 2. And, and it says, he was looking this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The following day, Moses saw two, two Hebrew slaves fighting. And when he tried to break up the fight, one of them turned to him and asked if he planned on killing him like he had the Egyptian. And all of a sudden, Moses realized, even though he hadn't seen no one, somebody either saw him or they found a body and they put it on him. I, Moses realized, though, that, hey, I, I, I know that they know. They know what happened, and he feared for his life. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to the, live in the land of Midian. Now, Midian was a different environment than the king's palace. It's just a different situation. Life in wilderness, life in different places are different from being pampered. Come on, we all kind of like the pampered lifestyle every once in a while. If you're married and your wife will give you a back rub, you're like, oh, this is the life. 
I don't know this, but if you're the prince in Egypt, you probably had your back rubbed every once in a while. You probably had some luxurious lifestyles. You probably, whatever you wanted to eat, you had your own chef. Hey, would you? I, I have that. I mean, my wife does great whenever I, and, and so I've got different things that I can kind of identify with the life of luxury. But as a palace royalty, can you imagine the life he had? And then he's over here, and now he's finding that, uh-oh, I messed up, and I can't really go back there, and so I'm in a real predicament. So eventually, the Bible says he arrived in the land of Midian, and he rested by a well. After a while, resting here by the well, seven daughters of a, of a prince and a priest of Midian came to the well to draw water for their father's flocks. And all was good until some local shepherds showed up, and they drove the women away from the well. And Moses didn't like that. I'm seeing from the very beginning of Moses' life, he didn't like people being mistreated. He's like, I'm not good with you treating people bad. And all I can do is tell you that I think that that's different than the Hebrew slaves thought. He'd already seen what it meant to be treated well, and so he got this mindset, I don't like people being treated bad. Moses steps in, he chases off the shepherds, and then he waters the flocks for the women that were there. Their father learned about it. I'm sure the women went home and said, oh, there was this guy there, and here's what he did, and he helped us out, and he ran all the, the shepherds off. And, and so this, this priest, prince of Midian, invited Moses for a meal and rewarded him with one of his daughters. Now, this is a bigger story to me than what you just kind of read. I mean, here, by the way, just because you ran off all the shepherds and you watered my daughter's flocks, I'd like to give her to you in marriage. I don't understand all the times, but all of a sudden, there's this guy that's doing the right thing and treating somebody correctly, and my guess is that was not really done very often. And so Moses was doing something that was already against the grain of everything that was going on in that culture. Now, I thought about that, and I've got so many messages that I want to teach from Moses, but as a Christian, aren't we supposed to kind of go against the grain of what? I know people don't open doors for people anymore, but you might because it might, young men, get you married. Someone treating someone bad, do the right thing. I'm just, I just think, I don't know the whole thing, but the culture had, had not produced what Moses went in and was producing. And I think we need to be producing something different than our culture's producing. One day, Moses, after he had got with Zipporah and he raised a family and lived with contentment many years, the Bible says, one day he's tending sheep and he noticed a mysterious burning bush. God spoke through the bush, commanded him to give up his quiet life in the wilderness, return to Egypt, and free the Israelites from slavery. I want to read this story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all with me? One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. I'm going to get into more of that next week. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. 
Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I've got to go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of your great-great-grandfather, Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and led them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You've got to lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. God wanted Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. And as you read on, Moses was afraid. He was scared. I mean, he, he was talking with God, and, and if you keep reading, he was given excuse after excuse, one being that he stuttered. Moses told God in Exodus 4.13, he said, please, just send somebody else. Send somebody else. God didn't want to send someone else, and he got angry with Moses. Let me just tell you, don't tell God to do something different than when he says do it. God said, this is what I want you to do, and Moses gave an excuse after excuse after excuse. In Exodus 4.13, it says, please send anyone else, and the Lord became angry. Became angry with Moses. But as the exchange was left, through everything Moses gave him an excuse for, what you read is that God empowered him. When Moses would say, but God, I'm just telling you, if I go talk to Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. Hey, let, let me just tell you, you got a staff. Hey, let me just tell you what else you got. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You've got all these concerns. I just want you to know there's nothing wrong to go to, in going to God with your concerns. Sometimes when you go to him with your concerns, you may have intended it for an excuse, but he's going to take that concern and say, listen, I take care of all of that. I take care of all of that. And so Moses, Moses' fear that he was trying to overcome, God had an answer for everything he was fearful of, everything he was concerned about. I'm just telling you that right now our society is trying to push fear on God's people, and God has an answer just like he did for Moses. Every time, whatever that fear is, God's going to equip you, and as the word starts getting more and more in you, you're going to watch that just flow out. And see, that's what God was doing. He's just giving Moses his word. It was him speaking. That's his word. He was giving Moses his word. Now, we read it and we know it's the word of God. But Moses didn't have it all written down at the time. But see, it was the word of God. And, and God was just giving him his word. Whenever you get in fear, you get in the word. And that word getting in you will cause fear to subside. 
I can't talk, I can't talk, I don't know what to do. See, to overcome Moses' fear, God recruited his brother Aaron to assist. He said, I'm going to help both of you. So Moses, finally, he rises to the challenge, and, and we read, and I, I'm not going to read all of these, but the, the plagues, the ten plagues, and Pharaoh's opposition, and, and, and all that was going on. And, and Moses, come on now, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. He led them out. He led them out. Trapped between Pharaoh, who changed his mind and pursued the newly freed Pharaoh, Go on, Moses. Take them all. Just go. Next thing you know, he's going with them, and here comes Pharaoh and the whole army. And they're coming right after him. And it's not a good position to be in. And he gets to the Red Sea. Now, Exodus 14, 13. I love this story. This is one of the best Bible stories that you could ever read in all of Scripture. And I'm not going to read the whole story. If, if you get a chance, just read through Exodus and you can get the whole thing. But can you imagine you finally got Pharaoh to say, go, you go, and then you get to the Red Sea and all you look back and like, Pharaoh lied. Go figure. He lied ten, nine, ten other times. Go ahead and go. And so I think in his heart, of course, the Bible says that his heart was hardened. God had hardened it. And I don't know the whole story as to why that all happened, but what I can tell you is Moses had an answer. And he gets to the Red Sea, and once again, what am I going to do? And Exodus 14, 13, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And he was right. Moses crossed the sea, as we know, on dry ground and by the power of God. And, 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 and that's all really just the beginning of Moses' courageous leadership. Moses was close to God. The job that God called Moses to do was difficult. It had challenges. And, and, and as I read about the story of Moses, one of the things that I see, this may help you a little bit, Moses didn't hide his emotions from God. He just didn't. I mean, as you read his exchanges with the Lord, he didn't hide his emotions, nor did he keep his questions to himself. People be like, well, I don't want to question God. All through Scripture, you see his men questioning. And it's not questioning in disobedience or like you're wrong, God, but God, I need help to understand this. I don't understand, and I don't think it's wrong to ask as long as you don't get caught up on disqualifying him if you don't get the answer you want. Now, there, there was a place that Moses just continued to pour himself out on the Lord, and, and it was on Mount Sinai. And he was going up and he was talking to God. He had delivered the people past the slavery, but now what do I do? I need to know how to handle all these people. I got to know what to do. And here's what I love about this story and this part of it is because right now our culture is trying to take out what God said would bless a culture. I don't know what to do, God. I've got a question. How do I handle all these people? Hey, I, I need to know. And so he goes up Mount Sinai to have com a conversation with God. And God, in that 40 days where he's up there, God gives him everything he's going to need to handle culture, to handle society. 
And if you don't know this story, young people, if you don't know this story, you will one day allow the things that God gave in this story to be taken out of our culture. It's taken out of our schools right now. It's taken out of our cities. But the men and God who are still living by it, praise God, are still here. So we can still live by the laws of God that he set up. Exodus 31, 18, the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone written by the finger of God was given to Moses. Now, while he's up there, here's the people all down here getting frustrated. It's 40 days. We're now out of Egyptian slavery. However, it's a real frustrating time, and they got tired of waiting for Moses. And so what they do? You remember what they did in this story? They made an idol. They made an idol. And Moses' bonehead brother was in the middle of it. You say, why would you say that? Well, he... He kind of got all the women to give him their gold and let's just melt this. And, and the Bible says, and Aaron's talking about, and just, I don't know, I just melted all this gold and here out pops a calf. Yeah. Do you see, I'm not going through every scripture, but if you've read enough of the story, I'm just telling the story so we can understand what took place. Moses in Exodus 32, 11, sought the favor of the Lord. God heard Moses and he didn't act on what he said because God was going to go down there after they made the golden calf and, and he's going to destroy them all. The Bible says that. He's going to destroy them all. I'm going to go down and destroy them. And Moses, once again, once again, here's Moses, having lived in the palace and knowing the good thing. Please, 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 let's be nice to people. Let's be nice. To, are you seeing a, a pattern in Moses' life? Even with God. God, would you spare him? Would you do something different? And, and so God heard Moses and didn't act on what he said. Exodus 32, 11. Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, I'm about done, but I want to I tell the story, and then we're going to get into some points, and I may have to do some of that next week. In response to Moses' request to see God's glory, he saw parts of God that no one had ever seen before. And this is an important part of the scripture and the story. In Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses and called out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is who God was saying, you have to tell people this. You don't know God because oftentimes we're not wanting to hear what he said about himself. But God said, this is who I am. I'm slow to anger. I'm filled with unfailing love, and I'm faithful. I, I, have, I have unfailing love. My love won't fail you. Come on, you've had failed love hundreds of times in your life. My love won't fail you. And I am going to love to a thousand generations. Keep in mind, Moses was only 25 in. He was number 26. He'd only seen 20. There had only been 25 generations, and I'm going out a thousand they didn't understand all of this because what he's saying in their mind is, I'm infinite. I'm beyond understanding. And see, 40 years Moses led the Israelites, and God kept his promise to always be with Moses. Moses messed up due to his anger. It, it, it kept him from entering the promised land. There is consequences to doing wrong things. But Deuteronomy 34.10 says this. It says, Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. 
Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I, I want to end with the last part of this story that I don't remember from the felt board, but I've read it several times in Scripture. And it says that God was with Moses to the very end and even buried him in secret. See, Moses lived to be 120 years old, was completely healthy. Deuteronomy 34.7, his eyes were not weak and his strength was not gone. The people grieved 30 days for him and then God said, okay, stop. And he instructed Joshua to take the leadership position. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. It's speculated, it's speculated that God secretly buried Moses' body so the Israelites couldn't make a shrine to it. And I think that's a good speculation. Because all of them had seen Moses deliver God's people, establish a way that culture could operate, and how they could be set up to to live in and operate in the promises of God if they just wouldn't forget. Deuteronomy is a book of don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And so I, I just believe that God buried him for a couple of reasons. One is that they wouldn't enshrine him. Here's the second one. He was God's friend. He was God's friend. And God wanted to bring honor to the man himself. I want you to know God wants to bring honor to you. Five points. I don't mean that he's going to bury you, but he's going to give you life beyond being buried. Five points, and you're going, oh, no. No, I'm just reading them. We'll talk about them next week. So five points from the life of Moses. Number one, Moses had a humble heart. Now, he had to learn that, but his life allowed him to learn it. The second point is God fought with Moses and fought for Moses, and he'll fight for us. Number three, with great power comes great accountability. And Moses was given some great power through what God did, and his instructions gave some great comfort, but with that, some great accountability. Number four, we got to aim for the right prize. Moses could have easily stayed in the Egyptian palace and been a great ruler in, in Egypt, even over the Hebrew slaves. But Moses aimed for the right prize And he didn't let what would be seen as an earthly reward move him away from the prize that God had for him. And the last one that we'll talk about next week is he developed a personal relationship with God. I think that's the most important. Jesus obviously has given us the opportunity to develop a personal relationship with God. Moses gave an example of how to have a personal relationship with God. And he's a type of Jesus that destroyed slavery and allowed freedom to take place in people's lives. Same thing Jesus did. Boy, there's a lot to talk about next week. Hope you didn't get too bored with that history lesson, but a little bit about the story of Moses, and next week we'll get into those five points, and we'll see from his life how we are impacted now today 
in all five of those areas if we'll just do what Moses did. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.